This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. One of the things I find not surprising is they're pretty much all blondes or blonde Jace. Yes. <laughs> um, they're also blonde from Texas. Blonde Jace. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't have their picture up in front of me, but I think like one might have like light brown blonde hair. Um, but the yeah, energy, so the energy of blonde. The- <laughs> Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Megan. So today's essential question is, what belief, practice, habit, or mindset are you taking with you in 2021? And before we get rolling with this conversation, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Interchangeable White Ladies. You've heard the old adage, new year, new you. While we'd all like a fresh start from the perpetual heat rash that was 2020, you're not Cinderella. There's no glass slipper. And you have to be your own Prince Charming. Instead of New Year, New You, try New Year, Same Old You. It's a simple three-step process. First, accept the limitations of your flesh suit. Your body, however janky, dysfunctional, or worn out, got you to now. Embrace its present condition and do something nice for it today, like take a shower. Second, understand that clutter, whether in your home, car, or mind, is morally neutral. You're not a bad person for not cleaning up after yourself in the midst of a global pandemic and ongoing threats to democracy while you also work a job and or parent your children. It's okay to do the laundry later. Third, dive deep into that thing you love. You know the thing I'm talking about, the one that brings you joy even when the world is on fire. Renew your appreciation for its magic, because at the end of the day, 2020 was actually a decade, and we all need to pause and take stock. Will reflection give you rock-hard abs? Probably not. Will continuing to hunker down when we've all been hunkering since March help you meet new people and put yourself out there? Unlikely. Will collecting pretty rocks help you get ahead in your career? Not unless you're a geologist. So accept mediocrity today and start redefining it as something that serves you. Here at the precipice of 2021, New Year, same old you. Interchangeable. White ladies. Well, that was quite a sponsor, Megan. It sure was. I know that I feel inspired to accept my mediocrity and to go forth and redefine this year as New Year, Save Me. Same me. What are we taking with us, right? Like, I think that's the key thing. What, <clears throat> what are we going to accept? What do we want to bring with us that we learned in the dumpster fire that was 2020? <laughs> So much (laughs) self-growth. Well, and we're only barely a week and a half into the new year, and we already have so much to talk about. So much. I constantly (laughs) think about those, um, the TikToks of people before the new year where they were like, you're going to walk in quietly. You're not going to touch a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're going to be careful. (laughs) 
Yeah, man. And listen, no matter how carefully we walked into 2021, week and a half in and already so much, so much to unpack. (laughs) For real. Well, we wanted to frame this episode just thinking about um, the same, you know, New Year, same you. There's so much out there that's like, get a diet, transform your life, do this, don't do that, don't be last year, da, 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 da. But I think as to your point, like we have grown so much as a society and as individual people in our communities. And as I say this, I think to myself, have we though? But I think we have. I think so. I think so. I don't know what to believe anymore though. Can I believe myself? I don't know. (laughs) It's true. And with the, you know, with, uh, do you do new year's resolutions normally? Are you a New Year's resolutions kind of gal? I am not. I am not a New Year's resolution person. And I think that just was that I just never possessed the amount of resolve <laughs> to do it. <laughs> what about you? Have you ever, like, have you been a... Um, yeah, I mean, like ebbed and flowed, right? Some years um, I've been like, I'm not going to succumb to what the rest of the world is doing. Oh, yeah, in, in the most, like, hipster way possible. You're yeah, like, oh, my course, God, um, yeah. I am yeah. I am too evolved I'm for this new year resolution thing. <laughs> I'm constantly <But> evolving. <laughs> But there have been so many years where I, um, well, so the new year is also my birthday, like the 26th of my birthday. So between Christmas and my birthday and the new year, mm-hmm. I do often Happy birthday, by the sit way. down. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do often sit down and like reflect on the year and think about, you know, I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do I want to do with my life? So I, the that time of year already has a lot of that for me anyway. So the leap, the years where I did make like official resolutions, like it was a natural segue and the years that I was like rejecting it. It was, you know, just because mm-hmm. of whatever. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. coming into 2021, what are you going to bring with you? I was thinking a lot about this um, for our discussion today. What are we going to be committed to doing this year? What are those beliefs? What are those values? I mean, what are those things? Are there habits you started last year that you feel mm-hmm. like, you know what, this is going to also be part of my 2021? Mm-hmm. So I, through reflecting um, on for our episode today, I was really thinking about everything that happened in 2020 for me and a lot of things, both personally and I mean, just globally happened in 2020. And I just, there was an immense amount of growth. And I think one of the biggest things that happened for me in my own personal growth was I, in the spring, during the Black Lives Matter movement and the focus on social justice and um, during the Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and and the protests that were happening, I adopted a mantra that I am going to carry with me um, through 2021 and hopefully for the rest of my life. And the mantra is, I will not shrink myself to make other people comfortable. I will not shrink myself for other people's comfort. And I really want to encourage everybody (laughs) to do this. Um, And this comes from a place of feeling constantly being worried. And I think as a woman that has a lot of passion and a lot of opinions, and I have always had a lot to say, um, I, no surprise. I no surprises, as I said on a podcast. <laughs> um, but I think I have always had insecurity about taking up too much space and time. 
Mm. And I reached a, a place where in many um, areas of my world and in many groups and people that I spend my time with in the spring that I was no longer going to shrink myself in order to make other people comfortable. When I bring up things that make other people uncomfortable, I would shrink myself. I would try to take up less space. I would feel insecure about those moments. Um, and I, I, I'm trying to, and I listen, I'm, it's a work in progress, <laughs> but I am trying to feel less guilty and less insecure about the space that I take up. Um, and, and really intentionally not shrinking myself to when other people are uncomfortable with what I'm saying. So I think that mm. that's one of the big ones that I, um, want to bring with me into 2021. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you also are engaging in like man spreading and some of that kind of stuff? Or? Oh man. Just like the physical space. <laughs> Listen, I, I will hope as we begin to be able to go out into public, I think the, the quarantine has made taking up public space a little bit harder, right? <laughs> true. True. But that's a great true. point, right? Like on a, <laughs> on public transportation, I'm just going to take up as much space as I possibly can. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't we'll resist. I couldn't resist. We'll see as uh, public spaces begin to open how, how much this bleeds into my mm -hmm. physical space. In <laughs> <public>. <laughs> um, I really love your mantra here. And I was thinking about mine's like uh, the things that I was thinking about talking about today are, I think, far less. Um, like it's not going to be like a good tattoo on my lower back or like on driftwood. <laughs> like your mantra, I think, is just so good for that. I'll have it like I'm embroidered. I'm teasing you, but also I love it. Um, anyone who's listening, please cross stitch that for Megan and Ooh, send it to her. I will I'll take send it. you the hanging address. up, <laughs> hanging up in my space. <laughs> um, mine, uh, yeah. So in in that same vein, though, I, I would say like people that know me know I'm pretty um, stubborn, and I'm pretty committed <laughs> to things, or I get committed to things. And so, um, one of the things that kind of that last year really revealed to me is just helping me and maybe it's partly getting older I guess but like parceling out like you said what is the most important thing and what is the most important thing to be committed to and what is the most important thing to be stubborn about mm -hmm. and so I I think for me there was a lot of sifting through like um I definitely had a lot of anxiety last year particularly when COVID first started and um just concern about family members and what was happening in the states with a lot of the people that I love mm -hmm. um but thinking about really having the commitment to stand up and fight for those things that matter and those things that are um, like life and death, like you mentioned, right? And so even if that means having really hard conversations with family members or my colleagues, right? Or if that is something on social media. So, you know, social media is always one of those places where you're like, do I really want to argue with some, my uncle on the internet? <laughs> um, but I think last year taught me a lot about how do I pick and choose, um, those conversations and battles and also really making, um, a stand, like just continuing to be committed to that. And so, um, as I go into 2021, I want to continue with that stubbornness. Um, that leads into like the, the stubbornness I have in terms of advocacy for my students. And so, mm -hmm. um, anyone who's ever worked with me <laughs> knows that I am like, what is the phrase? Like a dog with a bone. So like, if I'm like, there's a kid that I'm working to help, like you're going to get 80,000 emails until like this gets solved. Um, and so <laughs> I actually, I want to continue to take that in. Like, 
it doesn't matter if we're online or face to face or whatever that may be, um, continue to advocate for my students and practices and policies and, and things for them to help them to be more successful academically or personally. Um, other things for you? Well, before we move on, I was going to ask, have you, um, you said kind of knowing how to pick and choose what to go. Have you let go of anything in your stubbornness? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, today, <laughs> today, uh, today I was trying to practice this. I saw a crazy lady posting on Facebook, on my dad's Facebook. And I was like, you're nuts. Um, but just picking and choosing what, ki what kind of people are open, mm -hmm. I guess the conversation and what kind of people it's like, it's not going to do any, it's not going to make a difference. And I, I, I think actually I was really convinced a few years ago, um, Jessica Daly, who I believe listens to the podcast, she made a comment about engaging with people online that most of the time it's not about the person you're actually talking to. It's about everybody else seeing. Yeah. And so I've been really trying to take that to heart and practice it in the last couple since, since I learned that from her yeah. or heard that from her and really going, okay, who who else is in this conversation that's reading this, that's maybe afraid to say something, that's nervous? Let's get to the root of this. Let's talk about this and engaging with them. So, yeah. I mean, I think in that sense, like I was proud of myself today where I'm like, I'm not going to respond to this lady because like she's talking about blood sacrifices on the steps of the Capitol. What? And like, wait, that's just <laughs> I know. And I'm like, that's so bizarre. So like, bizarre. am I watching Midsummer, which I just watched this week? So, of course, all my references are connected yeah, to that horror yeah. movie. But I'm just like. What is happening? So I, you know, making decisions like there's no point in engaging with her because one, it's going to be f completely fruitless and nonsensical, not just for her, but like anybody else watching. And so, um, yeah, I think that would be an example of one of the ways yeah. that I've kind of put to the side. Um, and also we talked a lot on the show about like the long game versus the short game. So I think about conversations um, with students or colleagues or, you know, friends too, right, where you're like, in this moment, I'm not we don't need to clarify this thing or like talk about it in this way. Let's, let's have this commonality, this common ground right now. And then we'll come back to this. Like we'll, we'll circle back. Perfect. Awesome. Um, and absolutely agree, man. The, the restraint that you have to show online is wild. <laughs> um, and on yeah. the same, on the same kind of topic, my, my second one that I want to bring with like thing that I want to bring with me is my like outspoken nature. Like when it comes to mm -hmm. things that just really matter. So mm -hmm. it just, it really piggybacks off of what you said, right? Like your stubbornness. Um, <laughs> and so I just, I really want to bring that with me. It matters a lot. I care very deeply about social justice and education equity and um, fighting for my students. And I think I, I really stepped into that in 2020 and I hope to continue to grow in that. So I hope to continue to get better at um, knowing how to best advocate for those things, right? Knowing mm. how to make the right moves and the right steps and to let go of the things that like really don't matter. And yeah. um, that's the reason I was like, as you were talking, I thought of that as it's something that I've been thinking about is like, yeah. how do I spend less energy on the frivolous and more energy on the, mm. the things that will actually matter and make change and make sustainable change. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of hoping for, hoping to continue to grow in knowing how to identify the difference in those things. Mm. So that's definitely. Do you have an something. example of, like you bounced that on me, what happened, <laughs> is there something that happened this year that you were thinking about that's helped push you on that trajectory? <clears throat> 
Um, I, I honestly, I genuinely think um, Ahmaud Arbery's death was unbelievably powerful for me. And I've been on this journey, like, um, you know, I've been in this work, I've been in the social justice work for my entire career, but, but Ahmaud Arbery's death and murder mm. um, impacted me because I saw my students in him. Mm. And, and really, I saw one specific student in him. And it was challenging. And we were all remote, right? We were virtual, and I was no longer with my students. And so I could not have that conversation face to face with them about mm. what had happened. I couldn't check in on them. And um, Ahmaud Arbery's murder really ignited something in me that shifted my advocacy work in a way that I wasn't necessarily anticipating. Um, that And honestly, that's what my mantra that I started with, I will not shrink myself to make other people comfortable. It just, it became, um, it became bigger than other people being comfortable with me. And and so I think that that was absolutely the thing that really pushed me into like a new hmm. phase of my um, social justice work. Um, and I'm still trying to figure that out, right? Like I'm still trying to step into that and figure out, okay, what does that mean and look like? And um, what are the right steps, right? Where do I put my energy? I'm still trying to figure it out, but I, I want to continue to like live in that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, another thing I was thinking about from last year that I want to take in a little bit different than what um, we were just talking about, but um, going to online learning back in the spring and just the um, the mountain that it was to climb that. And I guess we're still climbing. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with the new iteration and the, you know, and for us here in Abu Dhabi, the shift from face to face to online and then face to face and then back online and then back to face to face and the constant changing. I just been thinking a lot about like um, flexibility and patience, not flexibility. Like I, I hear a fair amount of leaders in the world that are saying things like you guys just need to adapt. And like, usually that's an excuse for like a lack of transparency and a lack of planning. Um, <laughs> particularly <laughs> as we know in education that happens, mm-hmm. but really thinking about patience for myself to like give myself a break in terms of learning curve and, um, building in time to, to be patient with myself because I know it's going to take me longer to like learn a new tool or collaborate with somebody, um, new, right. Or in a new format. And then I think particularly like trying to have that mentality and mindset with students and student work. And so I, I found myself just like shifting, um, with that. And I, a part of me feels bad. Like I think back to earlier in my career and I think, damn, was I like too impatient with kids, you know, about stuff? Like I felt like it was right. And I felt like it was holding the line or whatever. And now I'm just like, please resubmit this. Here are my comments. Like I just, I'm like, resubmit it, resubmit it, do it again, yeah. do it again. Life happens, do it again. You know, like, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think I, I just more, I don't know if grace is the right word for that or patience or what it is, but I find myself in that boat. And then also kind of trying to extend that to adults as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and kind of as a, like a product of that, the idea, we have this value here at our school. Um, we, ca- we call it like assume best intent, you know, but most of us have, you know, some version of that and just trying to like really take that into my personal life as well. Right. I, uh-huh. I assume that this kid tried their darndest with their crazy internet situation at home or babysitting or whatever it was to do this assignment. So I'm going to assume they did their best, which wasn't the standard. So I'm sending it back 
to do mm-hmm. it again, you know, <laughs> or like assume that the adult tried to make the meeting and wasn't trying to be a jackass you know, <laughs> in our conversation, you know. So um, and I suppose that extends into like what I was talking about earlier with our people online as well. Yeah. So trying to get at the root of um, yeah, at the root of things, I guess. I And I love that. <clears throat> like assuming, assuming best intent, like, because at the end of the day, it's so much more impactful for your own mental health than yeah. like what holding a grudge would do to the other person. Right. Like it just, yeah, most of the time they don't care. They don't, they don't even care. Know. I, I they're always, mad, they're not. <laughs> I always tell my students, um, one of my favorite like quotes is, um, holding a grudge or holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. <laughs> like it just hurts you. And so really it's like, I, I oftentimes use that when a student is like angry at a teacher or like, man, I'm not going to turn in that assignment. I'm so angry. And I'm like, at the end of the day, y'all, like they're going to mm-hmm. be a teacher next year. Are you going to pass their class? Like holding on to that anger and trying to like get back at yeah. them is only going to hurt you. It's only you drinking poison and expecting your teacher to die or expecting that other thing to die. Like it doesn't, impact them so it's like at the end of the day what's the point right like do not Mm -hmm. let your anger kill you and Mm -hmm. harm you um there are better Mm -hmm. ways to handle it (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, well and i think a lot of us are are wrestling with that in the last well i'm gonna not just blame trump administration but i i think there's a certain um like with the we've talked about before like the divide politically in our country and socially and all these like Mm -hmm. things that are festering um, I keep thinking about that, right? How do you not let that poison kill you? Yes. And how do we hold to the things that we know are true and dedicate ourselves to, for example, like racial justice, mm-hmm. right? And how do you not let your anger for this insane person you're talking to or relative or cousin or colleague or friend, someone you thought was a friend, right? Mm-hmm. I, and how, I'm trying to hold both of those things is really oh, hard. So full disclosure to listeners, like... Like, oh, I learned this in 2020, yeah. but I, I think don't know I'm, how. I know uh, I, I should learn it. I don't know. Like, right? I think that's what I'm I learned learning. in 2020. I know I should. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully yeah. in 2020, fingers crossed, I'll learn how. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. it's so, so hard. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how. I don't know how yet to to do that. I don't know how to create space for and hold um, leaders responsible for really horrific actions and, mm. and also not let that seep into me and seep into all aspects yeah. of my life and carry yeah. that with me. And, um, yeah, it's really challenging. Well, and I, I think we talked a few episodes ago about, um, whose burden is it to carry some of this weight, right? So instead of opting out, which is very typical for a lot of like middle-class white people, um, also the, the understanding that mental health, self-care, all that stuff is part of this conversation, but there's folks who've, who've never been able to, um, choose that. Right. And so like, what is the role of allies, whether or not, whether you're white or not. And like, what is it, it, what, whatever the situation is that you're being an ally in, right. Or an accomplice or whatever term you want to use um, when you just have to keep going. Right. And so Mm -hmm. you just, you just got to do it anyway. Yep. 
I mean, asking the important questions, right? <laughs> we're we're asking the important <laughs> questions in this episode. So <clears throat> let's kind of wrap this poor part one, the new year, same you part up with one final thing that you want to bring with you mm-hmm. from 2020 into 2021. So it's kind of one Perfect. final thing that is on your mind. Um, I suppose less serious is I am a person who's always liked adventure and trying new things. Um, and so I always try to keep my career fret, like think whether it's in my practice or personal life. And so I want to keep that. I feel like 2020 really helped me to embrace some of that. Um, so for example, um, I tried a lot of like home cook. I'm a pretty good home cook and I enjoy home cooking, but I found like there's a certain kind of rhythm and it was a nice escape from like the grind of online teaching and some of those kind and being trapped in our house during quarantine, um, and curfew and whatnot. Um, just trying new ways of cooking and thinking about food and thinking about, um, like cooking as service and I don't know, a bunch of stuff. So Mm -hmm. I, I want to keep dedicated to that idea of like trying new things, whether it's something super simple, like, um, a new drink or a cafe, or I don't, I don't know, just, or cooking or hand pulled noodles. Like I tried hand pulled noodles. I make my own chili oil now, (laughs) but um, I'm not making kombucha. I'm not making kombucha yet. So I feel like I But I'm like letting down all my like granola white women up in the Northwest there with my (laughs) stuff. So um, continue to try new things. Uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to learn to play the ukulele and this might be the year. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. This is (laughs) the ukulele year for hope. (laughs) The year of the ukulele. The year of the ukulele. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about you? Um, I think that I had a really challenging couple years leading up to 2020 already. Um, And so I, in 2020, just kind of decided that I was going to invest in things that make me happy. Um, And honestly, the quarantine allowed me the space and time to do that. I had been running a million miles a minute with the, um, what? (laughs) Good job. Oh, thanks. Yeah, right. Um, like the like with the cancer diagnosis in yeah. August of 2019 and and everything that came with that. And I had started a new position at school and work um, the 2019-2020 school year. And I really didn't really hit a miss, like didn't, ooh, didn't miss a beat. Um mm when it come to work during all of that. And so honestly, quarantine allowed me the space to be like, actually, I need to invest in things that make me happy. Um, And so like investing in my health, I began to work out and eat healthier, put um, better quality food into my body. Um, I started hiking just all of the hikes Um, and just honestly, like I came into the school year wanting to just create really awesome lessons for my students and Mm. wanting to be creative and, um, create engaging lessons and doing my best in that. And that's absolutely something that I want to carry with me is like investing in myself and investing in what I love to do and spending far less time worrying about the, the stuff that I don't really care about. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a perfect place yep. to take a break. Hi, friends. This is Megan Holyoke. And Hope Jake Bowling, host of the Channel 253 podcast, Interchangeable White Ladies. 
Tacoma and Pierce County's restaurant scene just keeps getting better and better. Even in the crazy time of COVID, you can order in and support great local establishments every day of the month and never have to repeat yourself. If you love to dine locally, then here's my challenge to you. Put your money where your mouth is and bank locally, too, with Pierce County's local choice, Tapco Credit Union. And yes, that is the corniest segue I've ever said. But it's true, though. I mean, you can also choose to keep your money locally, which is really exciting. TAPCO is committed to serving Tacoma and Pierce County, just like Channel 253. TAPCO offers services and programs that you need, such as home loans, auto loans, checking and savings, mobile banking, all with lower fees and better rates than the big guys. Plus, the knowledge that you are keeping your money right here with a credit union that supports the community you live in. To learn more about our local choice for money, visit tapcocu.org. Many thanks from us at Channel 253, an interchangeable white ladies podcast at Tapco for all of your support. So welcome back, everybody. Um, So we decided part one was new year, same you. What do you want to bring with you? But part two of this episode is what we don't mean by new year, same you. Things Mm. you shouldn't bring with you. Things Mm. that we absolutely need to leave behind and a little bit of a call out of people that have not started 2021 on the right foot. Mm -mm. So if you're wondering, do we mean white fragility you're leaving behind? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Do we mean your white privilege? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do we mean your proclivity for appropriating from ancient cultures and pretending it's your own and that you've improved it? Yes. Mm-hmm. The remnants of colonization, buddy. Remnants of colonization. <laughs> so I would just like to give a little real pain. I mean, it's not even the segment, but <laughs> Ooh, <a laughs> the lot first thing mm-hmm. that came up in my timeline at the start of the new year, one of the first things was a fantastic story of three, you guess it, white women oh, that white. appropriated <laughs> whites that appropriated um, Mahjong. Have you heard about this, Megan? Where was your first exposure to American Mahjong? The kerfuffle that is. We all know that I love me some TikTok. Um, And so this is where I heard about this story was it came up on a um, a TikTok story from uh, actually several Asian creators I saw in a couple hour period had made some videos calling out these three white women for essentially just colonizing the game mm-hmm. Mahjong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I find not surprising is they're pretty much all blondes or blonde adjacent. Yes. <laughs> um, they're also blonde from Texas. Blonde adjacent. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't have their picture up in front of me, but I think like one might have like light brown blonde hair um but the energy the energy of blonde (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I I was it was funny because I saw some folks posting about it on Instagram and I was like I don't even have the like wherewithal right now to get into this and then like you know the next day I was like oh now it's time we're diving um (laughs) but it's quite interesting I mean these women 
essentially <laughs> took, took one. It's so preposterous. <laughs> I just can't stop laughing. Not because it's funny or like that I'm approving of their of their behavior in any shape or form. But they basically, <laughs> there's some interviews that we linked to in the show notes. Yeah. They wanted to refresh the game and they didn't see themselves in this centuries yes. old Chinese game. So before we jump into really the nitty gritty of it, Hope, can you just explain to the listeners what Mahjong is and why choosing this game specifically is so problematic? Well, I mean, I, don't, I barely even know where to start. So I hope people know that this is from China. Um, I'll read this tweet that I found in one of the articles. So the guy says it this way, um, Jeremy Lee, my culture is one of the oldest civilizations in the world. It is a product of thousands of years of tradition and history. Mahjong is. My culture does not is not some cheap coloring book that can be filled in and be made pretty by standards of privileged teeny boppers. Um, another person says why the copy of the Mahjong line is so problematic. It's centering white rebranding as stylish luxury and Chinese original as lacking personality or style. If you've never played it, it's a tile game. We'll link to some videos. I, mm-hmm. I really um, suspect, I can't imagine any of our listeners not being semi-familiar. Yeah. Uh, Nate and I tried to learn how to play Mahjong back when we were teaching in China a couple summers ago and our host family had an awesome little table and like where he was explaining it to us and it's it's a fantastic game. Um, and I find actually quite, chal- I find it super challenging. Yes. Have you ever played before? Um, I have attempted to learn, um, but I like, it wasn't ever anything that like I was able to pick up. It is a very challenging game. Um, and I think like what the tweet that you just read hits on, like just how awful it is, what they're doing is, Mm. is because what they're saying is like, oh, this, we got really into this game, this tile game. And they never explicitly say that it's from China they never explicitly say that um the history of the game um but they essentially say we just really thought that the tiles were really boring and we wanted to freshen it up and it's like yeah and then the slapping on of American too there's like all kinds of weird I mean I think we could probably go into that if we want to just like like, this is American Mahjong first of all ladies who made you in charge of slapping on American on something and then what is that a saying about all the American Chinese people that have lived in this country for for (laughs) centuries and then also like historical roots and all three of the girls are very outspoken about the fact that none of them have cultural connections to China in any shape or form like not even a mission trip like I'm like have you never you didn't go for like vacation like you didn't right? read a book once about it and it's just it's did you watch a movie with a chinese actor like what is your <laughs> oh i guess like i nothing. bet i have a very strong feeling that yeah. they saw this game they were introduced through see, watching crazy rich asian where they play mahjong at the end of the movie so they have watched a movie that's they probably, probably yeah. watched You're a probably movie there. and i it's just i think what um if you haven't seen the story it's that they mahjong tiles are generally um, white tiles, ivory tiles with um, images on them, right? And and these women have taken those and they've made them like hot pink and neon yeah. orange and changed the images that are on the tiles, which they are very traditional Chinese. Yeah, they have. Images. They all have their own meaning. They, we'll, they, we'll link to an article. Yeah, for people very specific meanings. Yeah. And not only that. Yeah. So they're saying, oh, that was really boring. So traditional yeah. Chinese culture, boring. American mahjong, really cool and hip and awesome and white. 
but also the amount that they are selling these sets for. So you can buy a set of Mahjong tiles on Amazon for like 30 or sure. $40. They are selling these tiles for four over $400. I, it, all of it, the, <laughs> can't ca- even the caucasity <laughs> of all of this is wild. Here is something also fantastic. Each of the companies, the caucasity, I think is a great way of describing that. Each of the company's five sets is cheekily targeted at a hyper-specific composite personality type. Like, ready? The girl who loves a good Eames chair, the smell of coffee shops, and abnormally long walks on crispy days in the pulse of NYC. Now, that almost reads like an Onion article. I almost felt like Annie wrote that as a joke, as an ad for IWL podcast. But no, they are not joking. I have not heard that. Oh, this, I, I am right now. This is my genuine real reaction to hearing that for the first time. And I got chills on my body of how horrible that was. Yeah, it's pretty trash-tastic. Um, There's a few different links that were shared with me this week, actually, from a couple other friends. And one is from um, Facebook, where there's a guy called The Love Life of an Asian Guy. Um, I guess he publicizes stuff. I think he's a comedian. comedian. Um, and he explained it this way, part of what was so problematic. Um... They aren't doing this because there's an actual market for quirky white girl mahjong. They do it because there's a general market of cultural bankrupt white people who want the experience of enjoying ethnic cultures without the constant reminder that they're just outsiders looking in. They want their Rainforest Cafe, their Scarlett Johansson. They want The Last Samurai. They want the illusion of a POC experience, but with them at the center of the story. And by doing so, by adding a bullshit backstory to justify the new branding, they've allowed themselves a permission as a business to bump up the price of their mahjong sets to what you said, $425. They aren't a Mahjong, in Mahjong business. They're in the business of making luxury white people versions of POC culture. I, there is no way that you and I will be able to explain it any better than what he just explained yeah. it. So if that in any shape or form is you, dear listener, leave that you in last 2020. Do not bring that version of you into 2020. Leave that behind. If at any point... If you saw that story or you saw those Mahjong tiles and you were like, I would love, I would just, I would absolutely love to buy a set. Like leave that, leave that part just behind. You know, I also think about, so something that one of my friends brought up, sorry, that this makes me think of is um, native tribal patterns on mm. merchandise and how yeah. those patterns Little have dream been catcher. the cultural appropriation of um, native goods and products. And mm. she was saying that she has in the last couple of years, made a very big effort to only purchase goods that have those patterns on them from native owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she does her best because it's, it, and really it's, um, it is the outdoor world that like, or market that has done that. Right. So like the North faces and Patagonias and right. Like of the world that have really adopted those. And so it's just like, this makes me think of it as well as like, you know, what are we doing as white people mm. taking, taking things Sh- from cultures of shame, shame, yeah. right? Like marginalized cultures and yeah. then, and doing it through and like doing it through like this veil of celebrating those cultures. And while in all actuality, yeah. we are stealing and appropriating those cultures yeah. in order to perpetuate colonization. Yeah. I couldn't even when I first started reading about this I I couldn't even hardly wrap my head around like 
I don't understand why you, the caucasity is so like out of my like mind frame. I'm just going to say it this way, like, or out of my, out of my head that like, I don't even understand why wouldn't you just get like, why wouldn't you fly to China, get a real authentic Mahjong set and then come back and pretend like it's God's gift to everybody. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, there's there's a lot of appropriation that happens with like tourists traveling yeah. the world anyway right you know like you Absolutely. said buying goods from area wearing my you know tie baggy pants like <laughs> whatever it is right there's mm-hmm. so many but i'm like that is still bad but like that's a better version of this like i don't know what does this come to that i'm comparing the level of the degrees of cultural appropriation maybe shame on me but well no i i think that i think that it's where he says like white people have to center themselves in all things right it's that White people have been told for centuries and centuries Mm. that they are the superior beings on this planet. And so any ideas that they have, any like edits or improvement, like I'm Mm. using quotes, Mm. improvements that they make is (laughs) making a product better. Right. And we see that all of the time is that like, even when it's, um, you know, it's, it's, white people going in and like the savior complex like oh if you just live the way that we live it will save you it will fix you yeah yeah right and it's just like this that's in on really serious things like ways of life as well as like cultural things right which is also very serious i don't mean to imply that but you know like cultural things is is that Mm. white people have and that's where we say the caucasity to believe that they are the all-knowing beings on this planet that the way that they do things is the right way to do things. And anything that strays outside of that, listen, isn't necessarily bad, but it can be improved, right? And let me just tell you how to improve it and then sell it for, you know, 400 times the price. (laughs) (laughs) I keep thinking about like the, the white way of doing things. Yes. Speaking of white way of doing things and believing yourself to be the best around um, and taking matters into your own hands, we had another really important uh, display of caucasity slash, I don't even know the words, even after several days of thinking about this. Uh, Capitol building, Megan, this is not the kind of the kind of same New Year, same you. Do not do this, people. Do not. White people, do not bring this energy into 2021 any further than what it already is. Oh, um, yeah. They already they already brought it. They already brought push, it. Sh- let's Can shove it back like, into 2020. Shut, shut that ish down. Um, we felt like we had to at least address the um, essentially the attempted coup um, in the Capitol that took place. So just for reference, this is we are on January 9th. Saturday morning, so the Saturday morning after um, the attack on the Capitol, and just the horrific, the horrific nature of what took place and what happened, and there is still so much information unfolding right Mm -hmm. now about who was involved and how did this happen, and, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to consume as much of that information as possible, um, but yeah, if we could not bring that any further into 2021, I think that that would be best for for all of us. <laughs> Is there a particular version or a particular like strain that you're noticing? Speaking of viruses, hey, um, that you're that manifested in this um, fake coup? Pseudo-coup? You know, and I think 
I think what, and, and as somebody who is just a politics and government nerd, um, I have found myself wanting to talk to people about what happened in Congress mm. on January 6th and not as much focusing on um, the raid, right? Because you can argue away and listen, the Republicans, some Republicans have already tried to begin to argue away and say, well, it was just an extreme group of people. And like, there's, there are extreme um, crazy people everywhere. And that's what happened here. And we're not responsible for what they did. Um, and we don't condone it. And like, out, you know, speaking out against it in the most, in the most uncertain terms that that was wrong and despicable. And like, they can get up on these soapboxes, but I want to talk to people about, well, what did Congress do? What were they doing that incited this, right? That that they were what is generally and historically just a ceremonial procedure yeah. in Congress of yeah. certifying the electoral votes was turned into a political circus. And mm. I cannot get um, Representative Matt Gates' speech that he gave on the on the House floor after the raid happened, where he was on the floor of Congress talking about how the Black Lives Matter protests were worse and the leaders of the Black Lives Matter protests were worse than what President Trump did. And he made baseless and false accusations that this was not Trump supporters that did this, but it was Antifa. And I think that there needs to be more conversation about this was on the floor of Congress that these comments mm -hmm. were made. Mm -hmm. This was not. Is just... he one of the QAnon um, legislators? Yeah, he's from like Florida. A few... He's a representative okay. from Florida. And I think that that probably just. No, that's mean. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, that just kind of says everything you need to know. But yes, he is like kind of a conspiracy theorist representative i'm i don't know his exact stance like his official stance on QAnon, so i don't want to like speak on that but he is sure, known yeah, yeah. as a representative that um is very much into like conspiracy theories and and there is the fbi came out and said there's no evidence that antifa was involved and that was the right wing um starting literally during the raid starting those rumors that antifa was the reason and the purpose for this and Here's what I find. So there's so many layers of like, that's wild that I feel about this whole situation, because one, there was a bajillion posts online leading up. People mm -hmm. were planning, were organizing um, and apparently around the country, as I'm like learning. I knew in Washington state we had our own run in the governor's house, but yep. um, a lot of people were planning. So I suppose you could you, you know, whatever benefit of doubt, you're like, oh, OK, maybe there was some like infiltrators in their in, on their parlor account or whatever. Right. <laughs> Fine. But like, that's not the majority. And then also like. I saw this really great TikTok where the girl's like, um, hello, we weren't wearing Antifa outfits. Like, come on, this is a wrong uniform. Like, yes. yes. Like, there's a reason in the folks who engage in some demonstrations. Um, and I, I think people in the podcast who listen know generally, I think, like, everybody is, who is anti-fascist is Antifa. So that's, like, my <laughs> framework that I come with. But I also think, like... The people know if they don't want their face on camera, they know. And a lot of times, you know, at a protest, it's unsafe to have your face on camera, right? So many people, Absolutely. you know, cover up, right? And for a variety of reasons. And so, like, that's the part that I'm like, bro, like, nobody was covering their face, not even yeah. with masks. Hello, Antifa, COVID, like, spreading events. Antifa knows. <laughs> or, like, and I hate saying, and I hate even saying, like, Antifa. They're, 
in yeah, as exactly. in like it's an organized group because it's not yeah, yeah, um yeah. it's a belief system yeah. but yeah. in in just even from like the rights perspective of like what yeah. antifa is like yeah. they're better at this than what like was yeah. present on yeah. the sixth people they believe in covid so they're wearing masks yeah <laughs> and also like they're they gonna don't co- trust people are gonna cover their face they don't trust the government and so they, and they're not they gonna wear there's video surveillance they're not going yeah. to have their faces on full display yeah. and they're not gonna yeah. wave to cameras smiling while yeah. um raiding and looting the capitol i don't know if yeah. you heard this yeah. but the guy that's pictured waving to the camera mm. um mm-hmm. that stole nancy pelosi's podium has been arrested yes. the man that was sitting Amdala. in her at her desk has been arrested yeah i think what's yeah. wild is that like there are legislature legislators that have been arrested that have been found to be a part of this raid um yeah so going, a, a, a representative from wyoming was arrested because i think it was wyoming because he was he participated right like yeah. I, I i think that it was large enough to where we we cannot just dismiss this as like, oh, it's just an extreme group of people that did this. No, this was something that was inflamed for years. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Side note to the the other part of this Mm -hmm. is like the hubris though, that we know is often associated with white ring, white ring, wing, right? (laughs) Why can't you use words? (laughs) Right wing. There it is. Folks. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also a hubris, right? So there's like an ownership that's there, like that's claiming, like I'm claiming my part, da da da. We saw all of that. And that's like, that's a pattern too. So people are out there claiming their responsibility. And then suddenly they're like, ooh, oh, oh, people don't like this, then that's when I'm going to blame Antifa. I'm like, are we in middle school right now? Yes. Like, you're just changing your plan. You just threw a piece of paper at the girl's eyeball and it hit her. We all saw it. It's now paper cut. And you're like like pretending. Yes. Oh, my god. You're pretending that somebody else threw it. We all saw it. What are you talking about? The perfect analogy. Like, I just... And I think that that's also fair of, like, the... If you ever have needed proof of white privilege and that Mm. white people have not been treated the same way in this country. And there's so many things that we can point to from this, Mm. comparing this Mm -hmm. to the Black Lives Matter protests. But the actions of the white people that did this, where you could tell they were not fearful of cameras. They were not fearful of records. They were saying their names to reporters and admitting to crimes on video. Did you you see the the one woman who was like crying because she got maced? Maced and she's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, why were you you trying to get into the building? It was a revolution. Like it just... If ever you needed evidence of how races are treated differently, white yeah, people are right. treated differently yeah. in the United States. Yeah. It's that, that they, there was just, I keep going back to it, but the caucasity of it all. Like, it's, yeah. It, and so we like started with this segment talking about something that people can dismiss as like not a big deal of a mahjong set. And then, you know, now talking about raiding the capital of the country, right? Like it's it's not about the Mahjong set, mm-hmm. right? Yep. It's not right, about right. that. Yeah. It is about yep. white people believing that they are yep. the superior beings and that mm-hmm. if things don't go their way or things aren't yep. what they want it to be, that it is their yep. right in this world yep. to make it so. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's... It is so much bigger than Mahjong, right? Mm-hmm. It is yeah. It yeah. is 
that it is white people believing that it is their right to raid the Capitol building <laughs> when they feel like they didn't win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, dear listeners, and I guess Megan, hopefully we can commit ourselves this year to not being like those people. Yep. <laughs> Calling that out, right? Mm-hmm. Leaving that, looking at the, you know, maybe less dramatic versions of that in our own life. Um, the way that white supremacy uh, has taken root in, I think, all of us and constantly look for ways to be to be better, to be better allies, to be better supporters, whether it's um, around Black Lives Matters or other social issues and racial justice issues, mm-hmm. I think. Um, that's my hope that we can commit ourselves to that and also like challenge each other to Absolutely. continue to be like that, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, should we raise our imaginary champagne glasses mm-hmm. here? Okay. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my champ friends. Mm. Uh, listeners, and Megan, and Annie, and Doug, and everybody else, um, in honor of a bright new year with a commitment to be the same good version of you. Cheers. Cheers. Ting. Ching, 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 ching. Is Doug raising a water bottle? What is he raising there? It's a bottle of hand sanitizer. <laughs> so on brand. For- <laughs> That's probably more appropriate. Yep. Uh, final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. So Hope, what homework do you have for our listeners um, leading into this week? You know, um, <laughs> honestly, do something. I would say... Do something this week that is uh, an, a product of the lessons that you learned from last year and something you're committed to. So if you're committed to speaking out against injustice, take time this week to have a hard conversation to not just post something. Right. I mean, posting something can help, but like engage in something in a conversation, a back and forth. Um, do something right. Uh, maybe you're donating your money, your time, something that continues to um, carry on that value into 2021. How about you? Um, I think just even for some people doing some reflecting on what is it that you learned in 2020? What is it that you want to, that grew in 2020 that you want to bring with you into 2021? So where do you even start, right? So I found preparing for this episode really helpful, right? Of like sitting down and being able to honor the growth that happened in 2020 for me, the good things that I want to bring with me. And so if you have not yet done that, I would encourage you to do that. All right. Thanks, everybody. (sighs) Bye. Bye. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. Doug's like, what's happening right now? He has no idea. It sounds dirty. (laughs) Did you say it sounds dirty? Yeah. That's for the off the record episode. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Channel 253 after dark. (laughs) The Interchangeable White Ladies podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.